morning, everybody. It is man coverage. It is November. Crazy, but it is November 7th, 2021. We just finished off week 10 of college football. It's hard to believe, but we have been through 10 weeks on the college football gridiron. And uh, every week, it seems like something crazier than the week before happens. Uh, not quite as many upsets uh, this weekend, however, you know there, yeah, were, baby. Uh, there was several. Uh, se- there were several close ones. We got the coach. Yeah, boy, joining us. How you doing, buddy? Hey, football field weekend with the fam. I feel. Let me back this thing up. I feel great. How you feeling? I'm feeling well. I'm feeling well. I uh, enjoyed the ball games yesterday. And, um, you know, week 10's in the books. And we're getting a little bit closer. We're starting to figure out a little bit more about each team as we go along. The one thing that's remained constant is the number one ranking, and that's the Georgia Bulldogs. And, uh, you know, I got to be honest, um, I figured they'd stumble up to this point. And, um, it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. I, I didn't think I didn't think they were going to lose yesterday uh, because Missouri sucks and uh, they were missing their their number one, their QB one. So I, I didn't really figure that yesterday was going to be the day. Uh, however, it's been pretty impressive how consistent they've been. Um, what are your thoughts on Georgia so far? Oh, hey, man. It's the same way I've been feeling the last couple of weeks. Now we talked about it last week. Um, it's team football, great defense, and guys just doing their job on offense. Watching them yesterday, um, it had me questioning a few things the first couple drives. I'm like, oh, Missouri's in the ball game. That went away fast, right? I, yeah. I was skimming through channels, flipping back and forth to other games. And, you know, I, I looked back up, and it was, what, 24-3 at the half. Yeah. Or 24, 28, three, something like that at the half. And they, it's just, they're going to beat anybody that they play. I love watching them. Yeah. Well, you know me, I'm a big fan of defense and this team, um, it's just, they're damn good on defense. I mean, Trayvon Walker yesterday had uh, four tackles. He had a sack. He had two tackles for loss. Quay (laughs) Walker had a big game. Um, you know, they, they're just, if you want to, if you want to know how to play football in big time college, uh, you know, arenas in defense, Georgia's the team you want to watch because they bring it every week. And, um, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing what they're doing out there, uh, defensively. So, uh, <laughs> Q, Q likes the, the Eagles and, and that, that, <laughs> and, uh, the next thing I was going to actually talk about Q because um, I wanted to fit this in real quick. A, what a ball game by the uh, South Carolina Gamecocks yesterday. Q's boys um, got it done. And honestly, I did not – I didn't see that coming. I know that we talked about Florida struggling. I know we talked about Dan Mullen potentially being on the hot seat. I did not expect them to lay an egg yesterday against South Carolina. And um, South Carolina kicked that ass, man. Um, I don't know. At, at this point, after losing yesterday, forty to seventeen. Yeah. I I think maybe he is on the hot seat. I don't know who they're going to get to replace him, 
But that was embarrassing. It, it was. Hey, Q, if you're going to be available on these Sundays, you're going to have to get up and uh, go ahead and get in front of this camera to talk some football. <laughs> yeah, man, I didn't know that Q was sitting around. We would have had him on because I'd love to hear his thoughts exactly. on that victory, man. They, but, uh, they brought but, it. And this is kind of what he was touching on uh, last week. Yep. They have the guys to run the football. And oh, yeah. what did they show Saturday? They showed that they had 200-yard rushers. Yeah. Uh, was it 116 and 120, something like that? Yeah, Kevin Harris went for 128 yards. Zaquandre White went for 111. That's what and, I'm saying. And Marshawn Lloyd ran for 50. And so. So, I mean, that's pretty amazing to have 200. I mean, they ran for 284 yards as a team. And they're on their, uh, you know, they were they were playing their third quarterback in Jason Brown, and they put up 40 points and completely dominated a Gators team who many thought was a top 10 team several weeks ago. Um, so you know that man. this may be the end for old uh, old Danny Mullen down there. And I got to be honest, man. I got to be honest, man. Did you hear the comment last week after the game when they they came on the press conference? And somebody, one of the reporters asked him about recruiting. And Dan Mullen was like, I don't want to talk about recruiting right now. We're in the middle of the season. Talk to me about recruiting when it's recruiting time. Now, you're a coach, Rico. I thought recruiting was year-round. It is, but that's probably more of an emotional response. You know, <laughs> something in the moment. He, he's talking about it's been tough for him lately. And uh, he's, you know, he was just locked in. Um, wanted to talk about Florida and, and how they're performing right now, how they can get better rather than, you know, recruit. He knows he has to recruit. Shoot, he wouldn't be where he is today if he didn't know how to recruit and wasn't up to par on recruiting. It's, hey, it's a stressful business. You get paid the big bucks. You got to answer big boy questions. Yeah. Well, he didn't want to answer it because, you know what, it ain't going so well right now uh, for him recruiting-wise. And, um, you know, I think that's why I think that's why they were asking the question yeah. was because, you know, they are um, Florida's ranked 22nd right now. And as of this moment, they've only got seven guys, uh, uh, seven four stars signed up. So I think that's why the reporter was asking the question. Mm. The way that five was, stars. Yeah, zero. Oh, that's unlike Florida right there. That's baby. what I'm talking about Yeah, now. You're in a sunshine state. Come on. Zero five stars and seven four stars. And, um, you know, that's that's why this guy was asking the question. They've only got, um, you know, I think six three stars. So they've got like 13 guys signed up, and none of them are big-time big big names. So He's dropping the ball. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think it's a bad call to get rid of this guy unless you're getting somebody like, which isn't going to happen, I don't think. Um, a Luke Fickle, uh, what's my guy, Urban Meyer was to come back, something like that. Yeah. Other than that, you better stay put and deal with this tough time. I mean, come on. This dude, this dude is better than most out there. I'd say he's better than 90% out there. And there's nobody sitting at home on the couch better than him. No, I agree. I agree. I think um, I think he's the best coach for them right now. There, there's there's already two big time jobs open in LSU and USC. 
and I don't know if they've got somebody ready. So I expect them to to give him another year. But they I, they, I, they have to. It's that win now. Um, basically spoiled spoiled uh, community that they have over there. They're so used to being. Uh, you know, dominant and, and playing great football that you have a bad season and now it's, you know, it's to the gutter with the coach. Didn't they just play Alabama? They played Alabama a couple weeks ago. And no, they no, no, no. Um, was it last year that they played them in the SEC championship? Yes. Uh, I, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm tripping or not. No, it's no, just, you're correct. You're okay. correct. And I'm not saying to get rid of him now. I never said that. I'm yeah. saying that after losing yesterday 40 to 17 against the Gamecocks. Who they, haven't accomplished much this year. Yeah, this year, this year is not looking good. And they seem to be that what's bothering me, and I think what's bothering their fan base is they seem to be getting worse. Um that's it. That's it. That's it. That's what's bothering people. Yep. And I think you know they're expecting Dan Mullen. They're paying him a lot of money down there now. And I think they're kind of expecting him to be coaching these guys up and for the team to be getting better and they're kind of going the other direction. I think that's where the frustration's coming from. I can see that. That's understandable. uh, Let's get back. Let's get back to the games that really matter. And um, your boy Bryce Young (laughs) and the Alabama Crimson Tide got it done, but it wasn't easy, man. Um, Oh, Coach O got got LSU to show up. Uh, LSU was went up first seven to zero and then it was 14 seven at halftime and then they you know there was only a, two field goals and a touchdown by LSU scored in the third quarter and then nobody scored in the fourth quarter so a little bit closer game than I expected uh what'd you see out of Bama yesterday they're on par <laughs> yeah. they, they're on par they, they don't make a lot of mistakes uh Defense was playing good football to me. Um, I'm just looking forward to them in, in the SEC championship. That's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, I will say this, though. The offense is the offense is great, okay? The offense is, is great. They're consistent. They're playing good ball. Um, they have been all year. And the defense is improving, Okay. The only thing is, is the defense good enough um, to shut down the spoilers? Spoiler University in Alabama. Yeah. Who's that? You know who exactly who I'm talking about. Auburn Tigers. That's it. Their their only role is to spoil stuff, especially for Bama. And has Bama Bama played Ole Miss already? Yes. Yes. They already got them right. So yes. it's they get past. They get past Auburn, who who has a knack for upsetting somebody or beating people that they're not supposed to be. And I would just like to see better defense before that ball game. That's all I want to see. Um, I don't want it to be a close game. I don't want Auburn upsetting them. And I know I'm a ball. I want to see this Georgia-Alabama ball game. And I'm picking Alabama in that game, Nate. You know why? Why is that? Because this offense really can't be stopped. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that kind of surprised me yesterday was LSU completely shut down the running game of Alabama. Brian Robinson, 13 carries, 18 yards. Roy Dale Williams, two carries, nine yards. Yeah. They pretty much shut it down, and then Alabama just went away from it. Yeah. But 
they uh, it didn't stop him throwing the ball. Now it, right? nobody can nobody can stop him from throwing the ball. No, no, this guy is uh, he is a polished uh, <laughs> passer, and and it's you know a lot of people forget this kid's a sophomore. Yeah, because he looks like a senior out there to me, uh, throwing the ball around, and then you know Jamison Williams couldn't get on the field for the Buckeyes yesterday. He has ten catches for one hundred and sixty and a touchdown against LSU. So He's a bad boy. Man, that dude uh, made a very good move. I'm very happy for him. He, you know, I liked him when he played for the Buckeyes. I just thought he needed more opportunities. And yesterday he got his opportunity and um, he, he balled out. Yeah, he's he, he's a heck of a ball player. He's explosive, good change of direction. Just get him the ball and he can make something happen. Um, we're going to see, though. I, I, I just think that Georgia's going to have to find an offense to beat Alabama. Yeah. They're going to have, gonna to, have, to, they're find gonna have to score in that game because they ain't going to hold Alabama to zero. That's the thing. They're going to have to score. What Robert say, best in the country. I agree. They're definitely the best defense in the country, Robert. I agree, too. I agree, too. I think they are. And I think um, if anybody can stop Alabama's, uh, you know, offense, it's, it's Georgia. But, you know, it's easier said than done because, you know, LSU did a damn good job yesterday shutting that run down, but then they just threw the ball. (laughs) You know, it's, it's pick your poison because Alabama can do either one. And if you focus on one area, uh, they'll beat you in the other. I got a question for you. Give it to me. Best pass rusher in college football. Do you think he, is he at Alabama or is he at Oregon? You know, I, I'm kind of partial to Will Anderson Ooh, Jr. That, that's my pick. That's my pick, too. Kayvon Thibodeau, he's a big name. But if I had to pick one guy, it'd be Will Anderson Jr. And I'm not just talking about yesterday because the kid's been doing it all year long. But let's talk to, Let's talk a little bit about yesterday against the LSU, which, let's be honest, they don't have a joke of an offensive line. They got 320 points. All across the board. Will Anderson Jr. playing defensive end had 12 tackles, eight solos, a sack and a half, four tackles for loss, one pass defense, and two QB hurries. He's He's the best pass rusher in the NCAA. He is. He is. is. And I see them. They they talk about Thibodeau a lot. And he's he's more of a specimen, physical specimen. But Will Anderson is is a football playing dude. Um, when he came on the scene last year, would they switch him over from a stand-up backer to put him down off the edge? Yeah. And he just adapted and became a monster just like that. As a freshman. As a freshman. And I think he had six – he finished the season with six or seven sacks as a yeah. freshman. Yeah. And, and, this year, and this year he's got three more games in the regular season, and he's got ten sacks already. <laughs> so – I'm telling you, man, this guy is a dog. If he was a junior, he'd be my number one pick in the draft. Oh, he'd be gone. I think he'd be the number one pick in the draft. I, I like – the thing is, too, this kid's durable. Kayvon Thibodeau's missed about 10 games in the last two years because he's banged up. Yep. Uh, Will Anderson doesn't get banged up. He Mine's may be hurt, but he don't, miss, he don't miss games, man. He's always out there. He wants to play. He loves football. You know, his daddy – was a hell of a football player too, um, big ass offensive lineman. Uh, I think it's interesting. He was an Auburn guy, and his son went to Bama. But uh, 
I, he's the best pass rusher in, in, in football, in my opinion. So uh, we'll give him that. Hey, hey we got to talk a little bit about this game um, up in the Big Ten yesterday. Um, I was not expecting this. I, I thought Purdue would give uh, the Sparty a game, but they kicked their ass. What's and, uh, uh, our uh, Big Ten correspondent let us know about this last week. He did. He did. <laughs> he did. I just I just talked to him this morning, actually, and he said, what would you think about my call? And I was he like, called hey, it. He called it last week, and it. I thought about him as soon as I tuned in. I was like, what is happening? No, he did call it. James Bonneville, our Big Ten correspondent, he called uh, that, that Purdue was going to give Sparty a lot of trouble. He said no one's really talking about it. But he said that Aiden O'Connell is a very good quarterback, and you know what? Bonneville was Bonneville was dead on balls accurate because uh, O'Connell was forty of fifty-four for five thirty-six and three touchdowns. And then the other guy that he mentioned was David Bell, who oh, had eleven oh, went for two seventeen. Yep, and became the all-time leading receiver in Purdue history. Now Kenneth Walker the third still got his. Yeah. But when it came down to being a shootout, uh, it looked like Purdue had the better passing attack. What do you think? Is Michigan State still in this, or, or does this does this knock them out? Knock them out of, of what? Now, I mean, are they still in the are they still in the hunt for the Final Four or no? No, I I, I think they're out. Um, this could still be a, a a very successful season for them and something to to be proud of. We're going to see how far they drop in the polls. Um, I don't see them keeping them up there in the top six, top seven, not even top ten. You lost to an unranked team by eleven points. I just don't see them keeping you, you know, keeping you in the top ten. Maybe outside of the top fifteen. Uh, is it fair? Probably not, uh, because Purdue has a knack of putting together some good ball games against very good teams. Your boys know that. Personally, up there. <laughs> up, hey, we got to play him next. We got to play him next week. You, you got to be prepared. Yeah, you got to be prepared. Purdue is 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 Auburn slash Ole Miss of the Big Ten. They can beat just about anybody in the conference. It just doesn't happen that often. Think about that. Yeah, and and to be honest, um, you know, there are only three losses. This year, there's uh, Purdue sits right now at six and three, and they lost oh. to Notre Dame um, earlier this year, 27 13. They lost a close one to Minnesota, mm -hmm. um, 20 to 13, and then they lost to Wisconsin, who's now playing better football. So, you know, they have a couple weeks where, you know, they don't they don't show up quite as much, but on any given Saturday, yep. they can beat anybody. A hundred percent. Now, look, this is a little bit off topic, but. It was all over my, my my news feed and social media. This is local high school ball. What do you think about uh, the big boy, well, Walter? Walter Nolan? Walter Nolan going to Texas A&M. Yeah, I've seen Walter play uh, about three or four times this year. He played okay. against my alma mater, uh, Knoxville Catholic. Uh, I saw him play against Maribel on television. I saw him play against Anderson County. Um, Walter's Walter's pretty good. I'm not going to lie to you. I had some questions about him. I just I didn't know whether he, you know, would have the motor. You know, just looking at him, I'm like, man, that's a big boy. Does is he just kind of overranked because of his size? 
And uh, is he a guy that really loves football and, and willing to get after it for four quarters? And I have to admit, I was wrong. Um, this guy is, he's legit. Um, he, he impressed me. In fact, against us, um, we were, there was a tight ball game mm-hmm. and it was coming down to the wire and we threw a little swing pass. He hit the running back, knocked his ass down, picked the ball up and ran it back for six. No, so that's not something you usually see a 320 pound guy do, um, be able to pick the ball up like that. Now he dropped, it. he dropped it while he was running, but he picked it back up and kept going into the end zone. So I think this is a huge get mm-hmm. uh, by Texas A&M. And they also signed a top 100, an, another top 100 player yesterday in a wide receiver. So yeah, uh, yeah Jimbo, I saw I think, it. I think Jimbo's going to stay put and I don't see him going to LSU because he's building something there. Yeah. I, listen, it's finally everything's coming to fruition right now. I mean, you've put the time in recruiting, and uh, now your guys are actually playing. They're performing out there. You're in these ball games. Sit, sit, put. Like, what are you doing? Stay there and keep building. I don't think he should leave. I agree with you. I, I think you know this. He's been there now for what four years or so. Yeah, and for a while. this is this is the this the past two years. They've started to look like a team that can contend in the West. And it's taken them a little bit of time, but this is why they hired him. This is why they paid him $75 million because they wanted to get back, um, you know, on top. And yesterday, you know, I think they showed that they are a top five defense in this country. And they held Auburn, who'd been playing, as me and you just mentioned, Auburn been playing real good football the past two weeks and scoring lots of points against Arkansas. Um, and um, who did they play the week after that? Um, God, my mind just went blank. But uh, Auburn played two really good games in a row. Arkansas, uh, Ole Miss. Arkansas and Ole Miss, correct. Yep. And they beat both those teams. Yep. And um, so I think that, you know, Texas A&M showed me something yesterday. Uh, their quarterback got hurt, and I think that was part of the reason the offense wasn't rolling quite as much but they were able to run the football. They ran for over 200 yards, and that defense was legit. They were all over the field. Um, your boy Tyree Johnson had two mm. more sacks. Hometown. Two tackles for loss, a D.C. boy. Oh, yeah. As you know. And then Michael Clemens uh, came to play as well, scooped up a fumble, strip sack, took it back for a touchdown. Uh, that defense is legit. Yeah, Tyree Johnson has been going off. This is his year, isn't it? I'm telling you what, uh, that guy's been the defensive lineman of the week uh, two or three times in the SEC. And, uh, you know, you put him and Clemens together, and I'm telling you what, that's that's one of the best D-lines I've seen all year long. I'm happy for him. I'm happy. I am too. And um, you know what? I got to uh, – I want to get to my player of the week. Let's go. And I can't believe I'm saying this, and I can't believe I'm doing this. Do it. I'm giving my player of the week to number five, Mr. Hendon Hooker. Let's go, baby. Hey, when all the morons around here – and as you know, Knoxville Nate lives in Knoxville. <laughs> and I had to listen to all these idiots talk about how they knew more than uh, the coach – uh, Josh Heupel, who won a national championship as a quarterback, finished, what, second, third in the Heisman as a quarterback, and then is put 
about six or seven dudes into the NFL. And every every idiot around here thinks they know more than him. Well, I think he's he's been proven correct because Hendon Hooker was 15 of 20 yesterday, 316 yards, four touchdowns, and he ran for about 41 yards as well. And uh, he was unstoppable. Um, that defense of Kentucky that was supposed to be, you know, lights out, uh, looked like looked like not good yesterday. They didn't uh, show up. They they didn't stop Tennessee once. And um, I don't know what to say because I was one of the people that was touting uh, Mark Stoops' defense. But watching that game yesterday, I was blown away by how horrible uh, that Kentucky defense looked. Cool, cool. I watched it, and um, I was happy that we, we were able to pull it through. I'm going to go ahead and go with my player of the week, and it's a, a former UT Vol. He put his team over the edge. Um Ty Chandler. Yeah. With, with UNC. He he had a heck of a day. Uh 22 carries, 213 yards, four touchdowns. And um, you know, they won by three points. They wound up beating undefeated Wake Forest. And, you know, my hat's off to the guy. Transferred and is uh, you know, getting something out of it. You know, I'm still rooting for the dude, man. And I was I was impressed. He had a heck of a day yesterday. So Ty Chandler got my player of the uh player of the week i'm glad you brought that up because that was a big game uh for north carolina they've struggled a little bit at times this year but the quarterback sam howell had a big game yesterday their defense didn't play great but the offense was legit and ty chandler ty chandler had a heck of a game so good for him man i've always liked that young man and um he brought it big time yesterday he was a big reason why they were able to win and uh take out undefeated Wake Forest, who was 8-0 for the first time in their career. And it's not like they didn't show up. Wake Forest played pretty good. So uh, we got to give them credit. Coach Mac Brown uh, brought it and got the victory. So kudos to uh, former Vol Ty Chandler and kudos to to UNC. So uh, I guess we're going to take a – we're going to take a step back here for a minute. We're going to welcome in our guests for the day. Okay, uh, let's do it. We got a uh, we got a legend on the show here. We're gonna bring in number forty from Notre Dame legend Reggie Brooks to the show. Let's see if welcome, we got him. Welcome. welcome. Hey, Reggie, how you doing today, sir? I'm blessed, blessed and highly favored, my man. Hey, it's good to see you. We appreciate you coming on the show, sir. Uh, first of all, just want to welcome you to Man Coverage. We're big fans of yours. I uh I go way back with you now. I, I was at the Miracle at South Bend in uh nineteen ninety-one. So uh that was uh that was taking it way back. I think I was ten years old uh <laughs> when I saw that ball game. But uh talk to us a little bit about that. Uh you know, you were on a team that had Rodney Culver, that had your brother, I believe, Tony Brooks, pretty pretty stellar backfield, and you were able to um, you know, bide your time, and once you got your chance, you never looked back and had a tremendous season in 1992. Talk to us a little bit about uh, those days, uh, Reggie. Well, we had some some pretty good backs. You know, Jerome Bettis add him to the mix. Oh, yeah. wow. Waters. <laughs> so we had a, we had a, some some horses back there. Uh, and actually, people don't know this, but um, Dorsey Levens was in the same recruiting class that I was. 
before yeah. he transferred to Georgia Tech. So <laughs> we got some real studs to come through there. Yeah, about eight NFL players on the same backfield. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, like I said, my, my senior year, like I said, 92, we had the – well, 93, the, my rookie year, we had the all-rookie backfield. was all from the same uh, same school. It was uh, Rick Meyer, Jerome Bettis, and myself. I think that's the first, maybe only time something like this happened. So, but we couldn't have done any of what we were able to do without the offensive line and tight ends that we had, even our receivers. I mean, we had guys like Lake Dawson, Tony Smith, some very Irv Smith, Oscar McBride, Derek Brown. I mean, <laughs> we had Aaron Taylor, who's who's been inducted to the College Football of Fame this year. Um, Tim Ruddy, <laughs> Lindsey Knapp. So. We, we have we have some squads. I said I would have liked to have some of the offensive schemes that they have now with, with our guys. I can imagine what we were able to do. Well, well, look, Mr. Brooks, I'm looking, I'm looking at some of these accomplishments and stuff, and you were able to compete at a high level because I see you went to Booker T. Washington. And listen, I know you played with some guys there. Because I played with some guys at UT who who wound up being some NFL guys from Booker T. Washington. So they've been producing guys for a long time, I see. And, and now, you got you know, uh, McCorders, uh, who was, you know, dynamic DB receiver. Right. We had athletes. I mean, that was, like I said, Booker T., they produce athletes. And, you know, that was one of the things that, you know, always stuck out to me is, like I said, coming along after guys – you know, Melvin Gillum, guys that set the tone for us, my mm -hmm. brother, that, you know, hey, if you're going to come out and play, you, know, you come from Booker T, if you're going to step on that field, you better have some skills because you're going to get challenged real quick. Yeah, no doubt. And I was going to ask you about that too. You know, what, did it help you at all, you know, going from, from Tulsa and being at Booker T and then going to, oh, yeah. uh, you know, Notre Dame and, and being in South Bend? Did that help you at all, having your brother already there kind of teaching you? Uh, the ways and showing you around campus. Well, and the thing about it, I said, my, I tell this story. I said, and telling the book, I said, my recruiting visit. I, I love my brother. He was always there for me, but he kind of left me hanging on my recruiting visit. He was my host, and I literally saw him one time, and then I didn't see him again until I'm, I'm about to leave. So I'm still kind of salty about that. But having him there was huge for me because you know, you know, going. Again, you're small town Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Notre Dame is is not a, is not a big place, but it still has a big it's a big brand, a big name, and I'm looking at all these guys that are coming in. So from '87 to '90, Notre Dame had the consensus number one recruiting classes every year. So you're you're not you know you're no longer a, a big fish. Well, I said I mean the pond at, at uh, Booker T was pretty big anyway. So For sure. I was competing, but you know. When you're going against guys like Anthony Johnson, you know, Chris Zorich, you know, Michael Stonebreaker, Todd Light, Pat Terrell. I mean, guys from my, just from my, my senior year of the 22 guys offensive defense start, 17 played in the league. Yeah. Wow. So you're competing. And, and you, you had a little uncertainty. I wasn't the biggest guy. I mean, I was fast, but, you know. You know, back then you had you would need to you know have a little meat on your bones, and like I said, my brother fit that criteria because he was six two, you know two two twenty five two thirty. So that was you know the coach Holtz, he he was like the hammer and the nail. He said he, he likes to to run the football. So 
I was a little nervous going in. I mean, I knew I could play. I, that, that was never a question because, again, the success I had at Booker T, uh, you know, kind of gave me that confidence. But it was the eye-opener making that next step. But it definitely helped me going from high school to college, having come from a high school that is was known for producing, mm-hmm. you know, top Division One talent and NFL talent. And then, you know, going from Notre Dame to the league, it was helpful because – you know, I was so used to practicing at a high level, mm-hmm. even from high school, that going to the, the pros, that was just the mentality that you had. You're going to have to work, compete, and every time you come out to practice, you, you know, you're preparing for the game. I get it. I get it. That's where Robert Meacham went. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he went there. But, um, no, I, I definitely get that. Uh, coming from a big school like that, that competition is is crazy. So you're already in the mode and you're going to work for everything that you get there. You're going to earn it because if you don't put it all in, there's a guy behind you who's ready to take it. Yeah. So when you got to college, it was nothing new for you. And I see when it, I see when you got going, it was ridiculous. I mean, 1,300 yards averaging eight yards a carry, 13 touchdowns. That's a way to break into college football, ain't it? <laughs> Well, that was the thing about it, except, you know, I, you, know, you know, we had a lot of, again, that backfield was loaded because, you know, when I, you, know, you had Braxton Banks and Anthony Johnson, you know, were playing my freshman year. Yeah. My brother Tony, Mark Green, you know, uh, Ricky Waters, you know, Rocket was there. He And he played in the backfield from time yeah. to time. So what? I came in. Yeah. So it, we, I mean, we just, yeah, just, and again, that's, and that was the thing about, I mean, I came close to leaving because, you know, it was. I wanted to play. That's why I wound up switching and switching over to the defensive side of the ball, just so I could get on the field and play. But the thing that really hit me is when I went back. You know, I was thinking about leaving, transferring. I called my dad, and you know, pops was like, you know, did you make that commitment? And I was like, yes, sir. He's like, well, you got to figure it out, Cliff. <laughs> and this is back when like our long distance was money, so he wasn't trying to. Spend a lot of money. He's like, you better figure it out. You're gonna keep right. your butt there. And though it it taught me commitment and uh valuing your your word and honoring that. Um and again, like I said, the guys that like said I played with were very helpful and you know helping me get through the struggles of like playing. And I and I really look at I mean today's athletes, again, it's so easy to, you know, if something's not going quite right to move on to the next thing versus sometimes it's important to stick it out and persevere, especially if you know you have that capability and that institution is going to help you again meet your dreams. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing we've talked a lot about on this show is with the, you know, the transfer portal and the, all the new rules where guys can, can just cut it and run if they're not getting to play or if they get taken out, or whatever, you know, one thing that, that I remember from playing, and I, I didn't play anywhere close to Notre Dame, but you had to earn it, man. You had to – sometimes we I had to sit and wait to get my chance to get on the field, and I felt like that's something that build, build character, you know, built character in me and builds character in some of these players. And, you know, with you, Reggie, uh, switching over to defense and playing DB and coming back to running back, I feel like, you know, once you got your shot, you weren't going to give it up. And I, I think that's something that, you know, may be missing from today's game. I, I, I agree completely. I mean, you know, you, can, you know, I, when I worked at Notre Dame in the athletic department, I spoke to some of the, I would always speak to the guys 
and again, that said, you know, coming out of Notre Dame and, you know, yeah, I, it was funny because I heard it from a lot of guys. You know, I did a lot of outreach to our former student athletes. So I had a great relationship with, you know, Ross Brown or Luther Bradley, Joe Montana, you know, some of the greats. And they always had a story of perseverance. Again, that you know, having that struggle and that commitment to say, hey, you know, you know, I got to And it helped them down the road in their careers. And Jerome, I said, you know, JB, this dude had asthma. I mean, I don't know how many people knew that this cat had asthma and, and ran and competed at a high level. Man, he, and he was so energetic. We fed off of each other's energy. You know, I yeah. look at, you know, some of the struggles that, you know, that people don't know that he had playing. And, you know, and, you know, those are the things where, you know, you have to fight through some of the stress and pressures. But it's also important to have people that will fight through with you. Yeah. And I think that's something that, you know, it, by opening yourself up, being a little more accessible, that, you know, you, you're going to find that your group of friends. But there's and it's something that, you know, Coach Hope said, players come and go, but teammates are forever. And I know that to be true because, I you know, I'm working with Hoaxes Heroes Foundation, and it works with a lot of guys that I've played with or played under the Hoaxes era that I've connected with. And just literally, I may not have seen a guy for like 10, 15 years. And immediately we see each other. There's a recognition of what you went through, what I went through, that we went through together, and we were there to hold each other up and support each other. And I always wonder, I said, do you have that in this day and age? Because, you know, guys leave a lot earlier. You know, you don't, it's hard to, you know, find that, find the time to create those relationships that define your life, you know, post playing. And, you know, I wonder how, how, how these guys, if they're able to do it. And if they're not, why not? Yeah. That's good stuff right there. I'm with you. And, and um, you know, Reggie, I wanted to ask you a little bit, jumping forward, you know, the Irish had a big victory yesterday. And, you know, they're, they're eight and one now. And obviously, you know, you stay pretty close to that program. And I just feel like, you know, a lot of their success this year is, is coupled with that running game and with Kyron Williams. And I, I really like this young man. I think he's a, a really, he's got that really, he's kind of, he reminds me a little bit of you with that low center of gravity. He, he's got that, that burst. And uh, yesterday he brought it 17 carries, 95 uh, yards and two touchdowns. What have you seen out of Kyron and, and what do you think uh, the ceiling is for this kid? And I, and I saw this in, I was talking to Archie Denson, who kind of before Archie left, kind of, excuse me, recruited Kyron. His explosiveness and his ability to, to really work in a dyna and in tight spaces, you know, and, just, and, and then having that burst. But the thing that gets me is his pass protection. <laughs> I mean, this is a passing, you know, the game is about passing. I've seen this little fella just come up and just drop the hammer on some big linebackers. And I'm like, dude. So I I I, I give deference to him because I, I didn't have I mean, I managed to to hold my own, but this young man, he has the full package and then his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. You can line him up in so many different ways. He's a mismatch from the word go. He and the guy that I would equate him to for me is Marshall Falk. Mm. Because you know, Marshall Falk to me was you know again ninety two, he was sophomore, 
that's who should have won the Heisman Trophy that year. Yeah. I mean, this cat yeah. was like, I mean, you, you you look at him, he returns kicks, yeah. he returned punts, and Kyler's doing the same thing in, in his run, out of the backfield catching. Marshall Falk was his football IQ was one of the best I've ever been around. And in his ability to, to line up in the slot, line up out wide and run run legitimate routes. Then you have his ability to come out the backfield and work in spaces and just this boom, quick, quick in the vision. You know, I always look at the thing that you know people talk about, you know, quick, quick feet, explosiveness and speed. But one of the main things that you have to have for a running back is vision. If your peripheral vision is not there, you're going to take some shots that you, you shouldn't take. And this kid, he he has great vision, the explosiveness, and his strength. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I, this this the this offensive line has struggled more than any other offensive line I've seen at Notre Dame in a while. And yeah. this kid, is he has to work so hard to get a yard. Yeah. And he's doing it. So I, I cannot – give him enough superlatives of how good he is and he continues to get better so you know at that next level he's he, he's a great fit for any offense just because he can run the, the rpo game you know he's great you know he, counter power he can do it all because he has that vision the speed and the power uh even being that small to be that that aggressive and and successful at what he does I man, I, I I love watching. I mean, I I make tune him in whether it's Peacock or NBC, away games. I I look forward to. I pay to watch this cat play. Okay, well, I'm about to watch more Notre Dame because you you throwing out Marshall Falk is. I'm telling you, <laughs> you look at this. That's why again, I get. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't blow smoke up people's behind. Yeah, this cat is is he's that good. Okay, and if you just watch how I mean. Because I can I our offensive lines were so dominant. I put I mean if you somebody split the double team, oh it was hell to pay. Yeah. So you know, with me, Jerome, we were always you we always set that second line of scrimmage or that new line of scrimmage. So we press the hole and go. I've I i do not know how many times I've seen this guy, you know, have to stop in the backfield, redirect, mm-hmm. and get around guys and just making moves. And it's just he's working so hard. Now last year. I think this is his best year in terms of his, he may not have the numbers that he had last year in yeah. terms of you know yardage and yards per carry. But mm-hmm. last year, he had a really good offensive line. This year, he's putting in a lot of work just to get to the line of scrimmage. I got you. I got you. So so moving forward, um, anything on the schedule? I think y'all should be worried about what about UVA this week, this coming well, weekend? I would be shocked. I mean – yeah, and that's why I said you know people talk you know kind of throw out there about Notre Dame getting back in the mix for the college football playoff. I, I can't see it just because you know they basically told Cincinnati you're not going to get a sniff of the C- CFP yeah. with where they placed them and how they've you know like the two games they had coming up that they could have done something with Houston and SMU they didn't even rank them so. And you got three teams, two teams in there with that at the time had three losses apiece, and they were in the top twenty-five. <laughs> so I just think with the loss to Cincinnati and how they're viewing Cincinnati um, from a CFP standpoint, um, I, I, I think like after this week, I think we may get back up to like eight. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think that you know s- s- 
seven, between six and eight is going to be our ceiling just okay. because we don't have anybody left to play. Right. Um, you know, we got Virginia, Georgia Tech, and Stanford. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and yeah. none of those have good records. Yeah, and then with this year, you know, being the independent, you know, they're they're not competing for the the ACC championship, and I, I feel like that's something that 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 hurts them. I mean, if they yes. were still you know associated with the ACC and maybe won the ACC conference championship, I feel like that's something that that might be able to help uh, their chances. What do you what do you think about that, Reggie? If, if we if we're playing like we're like last year's uh, ACC team, we'd win the ACC this year. Yeah, and we'd be in we'd be in a lot lot better place. But I'm I'm uh, you know, and this is not nostalgic or anything. I just think because of how Notre Dame, from a branding standpoint, we would actually, you know, it would be a detriment for us to join a conference. And I know a lot of people think we should, you know, because we'd make more money. Notre Dame would make more money join a conference like a Big Ten or ACC. Um, and this is I think you know Notre Dame doesn't get the same you know, allotment of money from the ACC because it's not a member. Right. Um, so, I. but you look at the ability to play a national schedule, that's what Notre Dame is about. That's the history of the institution, the athletic department is the barnstorming uh, aspect of it. So you can play around the country. And, you know, that's what I talked about, you know, I talked about in the book, I'm Tulsa, Oklahoma. My first game is in Giant Stadium you know, against Virginia at the kickoff classic. I'm playing in a pro stadium, my right. first game in college in, in New York. So, you know, just the, the you know, to have that opportunity, you know, and to travel all over the country, man, that was amazing to me. Cause I, I you know, I barely, very seldom left the state of Oklahoma. I didn't start leaving Oklahoma until I start going, going, uh, running track, but also until I start getting recruited. Yeah. Right. I got you. Makes sense. Well, and then they're playing, you know, these uh, some of these Shamrock Series games. They're traveling over to uh, to Dublin, Ireland, and um, you know, playing over there. So I, I think it's pretty cool, um, you know, just the brand of of Notre Dame football going all over the place. It's a national brand, so I, I do understand that. Um, so you got to tell us before we let you go, Reggie. How, how did you become a writer? How did this? How did the book thing come mm -hmm. about? Tell us about the book and uh, tell us what. You know, tell us why uh, you you decided to do it and what's all what's what's all in it. Well, I'm saying, I mean, again, originally I like don't have the time to do this, and then the pandemic hit, yeah, and I found myself with time because we didn't have any fans, and a lot of my role was geared towards reaching out to former athletes and you know getting them back to campus, keeping them engaged. So when we were not allowed to have fans. I you know we did a, you know we actually had a, a stream yard. Uh, deal we did with former players that you know i've helped manage but it I had a lot more time and then when they approached me triumph books about the series they said hey we'll connect you with john heisler so mm -hmm. john heisler was a sid for notre dame for forever yeah. me. and you know heist heist is the impetus of why i said okay i'll i'll be willing to do this because it was someone that i know yeah. someone that's familiar with my time at notre dame and can understand kind of and, and help me to interpret the the stories that you're gonna you, you'll read in there and, and it's not just about stories about my time at Notre Dame a lot of it is but it's also about my time as as a uh, administrator 
as an employee of Notre Dame because I had a relationship with a lot of the current guys, current teams, and the experiences, and then the commonality because you know you I tell stories about you know my relationship with guys from the past, from the '88 team, '66 national championship team, '77. So and then also from the 2012 team, and it's you know seeing those commonalities of success at Notre Dame because it's it's a different place. It's not for everybody, and to, to be successful there, you you have to work. You have to work extremely hard off the field as well as on the field, and you have to have a mentality of hey, no matter what, I'm going to get it done. And I saw that through the years of my relationship with you know even like a. A Johnny Lujak or John Hewitt, Heisman Trophy winners, the mm-hmm. same mentality of if I'm going to be successful here, you know, it, it just it, you have to engage and be a part of that Notre Dame community just outside of athletics. You can't just be an athlete there. You have to be a part of that community if you're going to succeed because it's just all encompassing. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we're going to have to all check that out. And Reggie, we really appreciate you coming on today and, and giving us a few minutes as uh, I've always been a big fan and uh, we love we love talking to you. For sure. Thanks so much. You, um, you have this Eagles jersey on. Yeah. Talk to me here now. I, uh, You're not school. Hey, hey, I got a, I got a, uh, I got a little side business where I buy and sell game-worn jerseys. This is actually – uh, Brad Smith, Smith former okay. quarterback of uh, Missouri. Yeah. So I wear a different game worn jersey every show. Okay, because you know I have I have I have issue with the, the Eagles fans. The I got fans. no love for the Eagles. Okay, I got no okay. Love we cool then, Nate. We cool right now. No we all right because they had the worst fans ever. <laughs> My brother played for the Eagles, yeah, okay. and we play them twice a year. They they were trying to go after my mom and dad because. I can't at the home field. So he he they use his seats. You know the families and the players have good seats. Yeah, they were throwing stuff. My parents do. Oh, I believe they're ruthless. They're ruthless. Yeah, they are ruthless. Reggie, I worked for Fox Sportsnet um, in Philadelphia, but being from Tennessee, I went to a Titans game uh, when they played the Eagles and L Del Greco kicked a 53 yarder to win. And I went up and was like, woo and cheering. And all of a sudden some guy pushed me down three flights of stairs. No. So, uh, yeah, I've had they, my, they had a jail in their stadium. That's yeah. how bad it was. They had, they had a jailhouse that they had to take people to jail. <laughs> yeah, veterans. The this was that vet. This was the last year yeah. at veteran stadium. Wow. And man. I didn't. Uh, I, I took my uh, I took my blue off real quick as I was walking out of the stadium because I didn't want to get Have killed. Point. You gotta wear neutral colors. That are Eagles colors. Don't come in there with, <laughs> with, with the opposing team. Do not do that. Yes. Yeah, no. Crazy. No. 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 I just I just love game worn jerseys because they're pieces of history. And uh, this is the one that was chose for today by my. We're doing that. We actually we are now. I'm kidding. For a minute there was I was you know kind of looking at this like really. No, no, I'll yeah. rock the Redskins next week in your honor, okay? Right. Good looking out. All right, Reggie. Thank you so much, man. Thanks. We'll, right, we'll have you back on soon, hopefully, okay? Okay. Later. All right, bye. Have a good one. All right, Rico, that was Reggie Brooks, former Irish legend. Um, before we go, we got to talk a little bit more about uh, what's up next week. Um, we got another big slate of games um, and we also have to try and make sense of what's going to happen with this, um, you know, this college football playoff. Um, I want to get your opinion on what you see happening. 
Um, obviously, I think Michigan State's going to move out. Um, who do you think moves up? Uh, let's have a look at it. Yeah, I mean, um, you got the uh, <laughs> you got the um, you know the Buckeyes one who was number five. Cincinnati was number six, but hell, they almost lost to Tulsa. And I, I saw that they would have beat them by eight points. Yeah, and Tulsa had the ball on the like three inch line. Uh, well, they first got it. It was first down and goal from like the one. And now Cincinnati stepped up big on defense, and you know kept them out of the end zone. But let's be honest, man, the play calling was suspect. And then the uh, the fourth down run, the guy reached the ball over uh, to try and score and somebody knocked it out of his hand, and they, they called it a fumble, but they could have easily uh, called it a touchdown, too. So I, I don't know if you can move them up. So Georgia doesn't move. Bama doesn't move. Michigan State drops out of the top 12. Um, so Oregon moves up to three, right? Most most likely, yeah. They, they, uh, they got to take care of business. Ohio State goes up to four. Yeah, I hope. Um, <laughs> is that? I, I mean, so. is that is that what we see happening? Or I don't know, man. I mean, the Buckeyes won. Um, they're not gonna. You know how the United States of America, besides the people in Columbus, hate Ohio State. So you know, we're not gonna get any credit for yesterday. But if you look at Nebraska's schedule, they've every loss they've had has been by one score, and. Um, you know, they played good yesterday. They 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 had an unbelievable game plan. Um, they they really keyed in on stopping our running game and did a good job on that. And they forced the young kid to have to have to sling it. And yeah. um, some of his throws weren't that good. But we ended up winning, getting a victory on the road in the Big Ten. Um, you know, I think we got as good a shot as anybody to move up. I mean, that's my opinion. So is it safe to say Cincinnati's least in the top five? They move up at least one spot just by staying undefeated, right? I agree. I agree. I, I think they do. <sighs> and um, you know, if they if they win out, which I expect them to win out, um, you know, they'll they'll have to play in their conference championship game. But you know, I don't see them really having any trouble there. Um, you know, I, I think they've still got a chance. I, mean, I do, too. I, I think if they win that conference championship game, they automatically get bumped up to four, whether things change in front of them or not. And let's be real. There is a couple games left, so we'll see. Yeah. Somebody in front of them is going to lose again anyway. So yeah. I think if, as long as they stay undefeated, they'll be fine. I don't see a Michigan jumping them. Um, I don't see Wake Forest. They, they just lost, so they're dropping down. Notre Dame, we just talked about their ceiling. They won't get any higher than seven. I believe that statement. I don't know, man. I, but then you'll have Georgia playing. Let's just say Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship. Now you have Georgia playing Cincinnati first week. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, good. man. We'll see. Well, um, I don't know, and this is a question I've got for you because I don't know the answer to this. In the American Athletic Conference, there's no divisions. So does Cincinnati play Houston? If every let's say you know everything stays the same, does Cincinnati does the two top teams just play each other for the championship in the American? 
I guess if there's no divisions, that's that's the only other thing that makes sense. Yeah. So they would have to play Houston, um, who right now sits at eight and one, six and zero oh in the conference. You know that that might give them some a little bit more credibility because they don't play Houston um, this year. Cool. So you know that that may give them a chance to move up. And you know, obviously, Ohio State still got to play Michigan State. You know, they got to play Purdue first, and then they got to play Michigan State, yes. and then and then Michigan. So and then the Big Ten championship. So yes. the Buckeyes got yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, Ohio it doesn't get, it doesn't get easier nice for the Buckeyes, man. Yeah, hey, but listen, if if they make it through this, they navigate safely through this storm, uh, they definitely deserve to be in that playoff because um, that'll be impressive. You're looking at their schedule and who they had to play this year. Um, come on. Come on. You come out on top of that schedule, Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, Penn State, uh, Oregon, Minnesota. Come on. Come on to the come on to the playoffs. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I mean, they they've got a really young team, um, freshmen all over the place. Freshman running back, freshman quarterback, freshman corners. Um, you know, they they they're very very young. Two freshman DNs and JT Talmula and Jack Sawyer, who are starting to see a lot more playing time. I, they're a young team, and I, I think um, hopefully they're getting better each week. I, I don't, you know, sometimes it doesn't look like it on the field, but I think they're at least getting more experience. And, you know, that, that, that loss to Oregon was tough, but that was game two. And yeah. um, since that game, you know, the Buckeyes have, have continued to roll and, you know, Oregon's kept winning. Yeah. They've looked a little short. They're a good team. They're a good team. Now I like that quarterback. I like Anthony Brown. Um, he's got a lot of experience and I don't know if you saw the game yesterday, but he started the game off with a pick six. A lot of younger guys would have got shook. Oh yeah. And he he you saw in the next series, you looked at you they they zoomed in on him and you could look at his face. That interception was blanked out of his mind. And um he just went forward from there. And I, I give him a lot of credit uh for leading his team back. So yeah, yeah, impressive player. I, I think for Ohio State it'll be uh, of course take it one game at a time. That's what you're supposed to do, but that Michigan State. That Michigan State game has to be it for them. They they can't let those guys sneak up on them. They have to take care of business. And shoot, looking at the schedules, this has to be one of the toughest ones in the uh, in the country. I'm yeah. talking about this portion that's left. Yeah, these last couple of games, this is outrageous. Michigan's yeah. no joke. Michigan State's no joke. Purdue can play with anybody. Yeah, and that's who you have to play. That's a nice stretch right there. Well, yeah, and we played Penn State last oh. week. Who, when their quarterback's healthy, uh, Penn State's a good team. So, oh, yeah, you know we beat them too. And and next week, um, you know we got Michigan plays Penn State, Oklahoma plays Baylor, Mississippi State plays Auburn, Georgia plays Tennessee, Purdue, Ohio State. So we got another Texas A and M plays Ole Miss. Yes, sir. We got another uh, another really nice slate of games. And hopefully you'll join me to uh, to break them down. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get it done. I think one of the key things, too, for you guys being so young, after going through this gauntlet, health. Yeah. Health. Health. You got young guys now. So who's yeah. backing up young guys? Maybe older guys who haven't played, Nate. Yeah. 
So now if you do make it to the playoffs, who do you have playing? I mean, because this is a rough stretch right here. Yeah. And the SEC boys are used to it. Yeah. I, I see Alabama winning another championship, if I'm being honest. Yeah, no, I mean, um, yesterday, the fact that they were able to to take care of business and, and um, you know, win against an LSU team that obviously, you know, had nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes, um, you know, that sometimes is a, is a dangerous team to play. Mm-hmm. Um, they already lost it. You know, the coach has already been fired. He's gone. Yep. He's gone. So, you know, he, he's got no pressure on him because he ain't worried. He's already, he's already got his 17 millions about to be transferred in the bank. So he don't really care. And then the players, you know, they know that they're not playing for a title. All they were playing for was to knock, you know, knock off Bama. That's all right. they really had to go for. Pride, and, uh, the they, name they on the back of their jersey. Time. Yeah, playing for pride, the name on the back of the jersey and the name on the front. And you know what else I was impressed with? Coach O was never out of that game um, as far as coaching. No. Could you tell that he was locked in? Most guys, I mean, you already been canned. They're going to part ways with you. You got your money. You're just going through the motions. He yeah. was out there full of emotion and coaching up to the end of that game. So uh, I thought he had a good game. Plan. I, thought he, I thought he had a good game plan too. Um, to be honest, I mean, he he put his guys in a good position uh, to win, and yeah. um, the only thing was they just couldn't they couldn't stop Bryce Young and and Jamison Williams, and I don't know if anybody can. We're gonna see. We're gonna find oh. out. We'll see if oh. Georgia can stop them for sure. I can't wait. I'm excited. Me too, man. Uh, what's better than college football in November? Uh, not much. For sure. I agree. All right. Well, I appreciate you. I uh, appreciate Reggie joining us today. It was cool to catch up uh, with the guy that I've I've seen. I saw play uh, before you were born. And uh, um, he's a, a real cool dude and uh, was a, a, a legend at, at Notre Dame. So it was cool, cool to talk to him today and, and get his perspective. But uh, I'll look forward to talking to you next week and uh, have a good one, brother. You too, Nate. I'll see you next week. All right, bud. Take it easy.